Hello, welcome to the Going Upstairs podcast from Opening Up Cricket. This is episode 70 and shortly I'm going to be handing over to someone else for a change, Paul Smith, former Warwickshire all-rounder, a career which spanned from 1982 to 1996 and included the incredible treble winning season of 1994, as well as many other successes. But as much as that, Paul will focus on the challenges that he faced in his career and also in retirement and his perspective on mental health and fitness and all that surrounds it is certainly worth sitting up and listening to. Prior to COVID, we were looking at the options of of getting him out there and speaking with clubs in his locality. So as soon as conditions allow, we'll look forward to that happening. But for now, have a listen. Speak to you soon. Okay, how how um, mental skills were developed by Bob Woolmer in his time at Edgebaston with us? I think the biggest the biggest thing was um, is that we acknowledged that everyone is different. We're not the same, and I think that in previous years at Edgebaston, um, it had been acknowledged that we weren't the same. But that was actually seen as a negative, whereas in fact I always thought that that's one of the the great things that each of us had brought to the table, the fact that we were not the same. Um, what Bobby did as he got us working in pairs so that every morning you, you did catching practice, uh, short shot catches with the same person every morning uh, so that you always had a partner so that mentally the, the pair of you, you would get each other through each day in what is obviously a repetitive environment where your preparation is pretty much the same. Um, the bowlers worked in pairs. They warmed up. Um, they warmed up together. People that were more than likely going to be bowling in tandem, they had a much better communication of each with each other. Batters were exactly the same. When we batted out in the middle, it didn't feel as if there were 11. Sometimes it feels, obviously, there's 11 opponents up against you. Sometimes it feels as if there's, there's 13 if you throw umpires in the middle as well. Sometimes it seems that you are, the world is against you. So basically what it did is it taught you, we were taught basically to be prepared for all the eventualities and that as as when we batted in pairs, our communication was so much better. Quite often you didn't even have to look at people in order to know what they were going to do uh, when you were on the non-striker's end or vice versa and our communication skills in terms of running between the wicket was vastly improved. Um, so overall we were so much better prepared if you like but it wasn't because necessarily we were so much better players than we were the year before Bob say arrived at Edgebaston because we'd had fantastic mentorship if you like from the likes of Bob Cottam who had been at Edgebaston for two or three years prior to Bob arriving and obviously before that we had David Brown who was a Warwickshire man through and through and got over a thousand first class wickets for us. So between the three, I think what actually happened is that Bob picks up on a lot of good work and he was so different in his outlook. And obviously with someone like Dermot Reeve, who was vastly different to Bob as a person, never mind as a, uh, you know, in, in many other ways, um, between the pair of them, they worked out, we were given greater responsibility. Young people, young members of the side were encouraged to participate in team talks, whereas in the past, prior to that, I'd always felt that if people were young, they were made to feel young. 
so they tended not to say too much. That improved the mental health of young people and also, at times, it woke up senior players to the fact that the observations that the, the young lads were making were fresh observations and they were going to um, they were going to help along the way and they obviously did so again um our observation skills regarding our opponents were vastly improved we were always looking to improve i think that was the key every day we could we felt that we could improve in certain things and it might not be a key skill it might just be our ability our observations on opponents the little things they did um it might be a bowler in his run-up uh so certain bowlers have a slightly different run-up um, or approach to the wicket when they're going to bowl short wazim akram was a classic example we could spot his his bouncer way before he ever bowled it not to say that it was very it was easy to play it but you you had little key key skills that were um thrown into the pot, if you like, which made us better prepared. Everything had a purpose, even nights out. If it was, if it was a team meal, if it was a team, if the team were going out for a drink, it had a specific purpose. We never took the mickey out of each other regarding cricketing issues, although at times, you know, it'd be very, very difficult. Sometimes you have to have humor. We had a lot of humor. We were encouraged to be ourselves, so a lot of humour came out. We'd always been a fun team to be around, whereas before we were a fun time, a fun team to be around, but we hadn't won the trophies which certain people expected us to uh, have actually done. Quite often, a lot of people who actually said that had no idea how hard it is to win trophies. And I'll give you an example of, a, of, of how we developed as a group of people. I think in Bob's first year at Edgebaston, we lost in two quarterfinals. I think both of them were played at Edgebaston. Uh, and that hit us hard because we felt that we could actually win trophies. And that was two years before we actually won one under Bob's leadership. Um, and in that time, in those two years, that was a hell of a journey in itself because we had to work out how we could get through whole seasons, um, get bowlers through whole seasons, which is obviously a hell of a workload. Obviously, in circumstances where conditions change wherever you go up and down the country, whether certain parts of the country get more rain than others, certain counties are drier than others. So you you could semi-predict who would be playing at Hove or at Chelmsford, etc., or Headingley. Um, you know, everyone had to be up to play depending on the conditions in which we were um, being asked to play in. And obviously, the more successful you become as a group of players and as a team, uh, the more conditions on opponents' grounds when you go away from home are obviously not there to favour you. So everything is put in front of you. So mentally, you have to be strong because wherever you know you're going, you're going to be up against it. No one's going to do you any favours. I think the key to me was that Bob created a relaxed environment in which to work very hard. We understood, uh, we knew about hard work because we'd all played professional cricket for several years. But, the, you know, the, the real hard yards, um, we really took on board. Uh, and I think it's, uh, it pretty much ended up in the results that we got. Six trophies in 24 months, losing in one final and coming second in a or joint top in a in in another competition, it's a pretty dominant sort of a scenario to be involved in. And mental strength strength was key in all of all of that.
in a way, it felt as if you'd gone from joining the military to all of a sudden being in the SAS. You had to be that. That it was the it was the difference. I don't suppose if you join the military that you are um, a soft example of a human, but I think if you're in the SAS, you're a very battle-hardened version. And, and in effect, towards the end. I became very aware of the fact that we were very battle-hardened. It was great fun being involved in it, but it was incredibly hard work. So the mental health skills that were developed under Bob, in conjunction with us, obviously, because we were the skill factor that had to go out onto the field, I think that would be Bob, one of Bobby's many key skills. How, did, how well did we manage our mental health during our careers? I think overall um, there is a constant geeing up from teammates and support staff. I can only obviously speak from a from an Edgebaston and a Warwickshire County Cricket Club perspective, but if you can imagine the enthusiasm of pre-season training where people haven't been together for some time and everyone's back, they've got new kids, all the sort of enthusiasm and sort of everything, all the hopes and all the hopes for the coming season, etc. It's trying to recreate that throughout the whole um, passage of a summer or a tour or whatever it would, uh, whatever you were trying to address. So there'd be a constant gene up to try and keep mental health um, in a high place. Uh, I think that overall mental health is affected because there's a pressure which comes through to perform regularly when it matters. And obviously, if you play in a team that is challenging consistently, it doesn't matter what your statistics are, it's whether you perform when it matters. And I think that a lot of people over sort of overlook that. Uh, at Edgebaston, we tended to have excellent coaches and managers. And if, a, if personal issues arose, um, they'd be dealt with uh, pretty swiftly uh, or a specialist would be found pretty swiftly. Um, there were obviously examples of that throughout uh, our careers. People, you know, people all of a sudden there's allergies, or you know, people find out they're diabetic. There were issues which were to do with uh, drug use, uh, which rose their head at different times. So we always had excellent support, and it was a matter of basically mental health is about being honest. And I think a lot of the time people aren't honest. Uh, if people are struggling, they should say, listen, I'm struggling and not fear the repercussions for being honest. Um, uh, so I think overall, we we didn't really uh, suffer with mental health issues. I think there's obviously times where we could have done things differently. Um, but overall, I don't think anyone at Edge Bastion could really... Uh, moan about a lack of support because there were people about senior players, senior players, and those senior players had played with people who were, for example, the chief executive or the chairman or whatever it would be. So there'd be a common link, um, you know, about the pressures. And obviously, if it's off field things, divorce, uh, problems like that, then it's a matter of getting people through. Obviously, some of it is a specialist area, others, uh, as a teammate, uh, you can get someone through. So overall, mental health tends to be good when a player is performing and contributing. If they've got a smile on their face in their social life and their private life, then you're pretty much um, on the right road. But again, 
you know, I'd always repeat, we all react differently. Some things that get said in a changing room or in a private life can have a terrible effect on certain people, whereas other people who are seen to be stronger characters, and I wouldn't always say it's stronger characters because something can be said that is deep set within a person, you know, an experience. It could be loss of parents. It could be anything. Um, so we all react differently, but I think that how did we manage our mental health during our careers. I think overall, I think we handled it pretty well. But as, as you know, as you could see, if you nitpick through, um, through a 15, 16, 20 year career, whatever it is or whatever it was, you'll see, you know, you'll see faults and you'll see things that could have been handled, uh, better. Uh, and that hopefully is something that uh, the, the following generations of players, young men, young women, they get the benefit of our, of our wrongs, if you like. What challenges uh, does retirement bring? Um, well, obviously, potentially new workplaces, uh, potential retraining, uh, change in earning potential. Uh, just the mere fact that if you've been a professional sportsman and you then retire, you go from having, yes, you have a base, which obviously in our case would be Edgebaston, uh, Cricket Stadium. Uh, but in theory, you never really go to the same place twice. You might obviously you play a three or a four day uh, championship match somewhere and you may have a one day game here and there. But by and large, you're up and down. Uh, the motorways playing at different venues, different crowds, different grounds. Um, so to then go from that sort of scenario to going to the same office five days a week from nine to five or something like that, that in itself is something that's often overlooked, virtually impossible uh, to many people to go to the same place of work. Yeah, I get it in the fact that, you you know, you might have played all your home cricket at Edgebaston, but it's a very different work environment. You've obviously got spectators, supporters, uh, all sorts of things. So that's one of the challenges that retirements bring. As I said, new workplace, new workplaces, potential retraining and change in earning power. If you think about some of my contemporaries, a guy like Paul Aldred, who played at Derbyshire, he's a bat manufacturer, bright guy, uh, wanted to stay within the game and retrained and makes cricket bats and he does it fantastically well and hopefully very successfully. Some of the colleagues that I had at Edgebaston, someone like Mark War, um, and say Anurag Singh, they were both contemporaries, they're both the same sort of age as King Edward Boys at school in Birmingham. They were trained lawyers, so they'd been to university, I think one Oxford, one Cambridge. Um, so whilst they were becoming, uh, young professional cricketers, they were also qualifying as lawyers. So their, their transition into um, the non-playing side of life would be, you would have thought easier. Um, so long as they work for the sort of companies that they wanted to work for, you would think that their transition would be easier than, say, other players who may have a vague idea what sort of areas they want to work in. But you're also relying on doors opening, people assisting you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, some players fall into admin and coaching. 
that would be uh, that would seem quite a natural progression um, in some people's eyes, as would journalism as bro- and broadcasting. But however, there's only so many jobs um, that are in those fields, and even people who are trained journalists who've worked in that field all their lives are find themselves unemployed in 2021. Um, same with broadcasting. Um, so I think that it, the challenges of retirement, in most cases, it's about preparation and hopefully understanding and support. I think in 2021, the challenges uh, in, of retirement are eased because the PCA, Professional Cricketers Association, have a presence, whereas I can say that when we finished our careers in the mid to late 90s, in comparison, it was peanuts. There was nothing there. Um, yeah, you might get visits from people who uh, the PCA had brought in to give a, a discussion or whatever, but in comparison to now, I think you'd find we were... Uh, I'm not saying we were thrown on a scrap heap because the PCA supported players in many ways, and you know I would be one of those players. But I think they have it a bit easier now. Although... In 2021, let's be honest, with uh, COVID-19, I think you find that everyone is going to find everything incredibly difficult. Also, here we are at the start of the summer. At the end of the summer, we may find ourselves in a massive recession. So what challenges did retirement or does retirement bring? I think there are many. Uh, it depends on the character. It depends on the, on the uh, support that you get. If you're uh, Sir Alistair Cook, a sir who's captain England many times, I think you find that uh, that transition is much easier uh, than if you're not that person. So they're just some of the few ideas and some of the challenges that people are, are confronted with. Okay. The general um, support for cricketers post, uh, post-career from a mental health perspective. The PCA, Professional Cricketers Association, are set up in a much better way now than, say, in the 20 years or so since I actually stopped playing. There's courses in place. There's people who are in positions who can answer questions. Uh, they're more open to suggestions where they may be able to support you. It may be... Um, career career advice it could be ideas that you've got and is in the pca might be able to advise you maybe on funding that might be available to support you whilst you train or to buy equipment or whatever it may be so the pca bigger that big them up because they're not perfect but i tell you what they're pretty damn good in comparison to what they were so um they need support as much as they support players so i think it's an open book that one I think also former colleagues, because former colleagues, they all find themselves in very similar situations where you go from being on a stage, if you like, to not being on a stage and you have to find a different way of uh, paying your bills and, and all that sort of that, looking after young ones, etc. So um, things like former colleagues, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty good because they obviously understand and they've got their own issues as well. So I think there's a support mechanism going back and forth. Um, family support. I think family support's very important. Um, that could be moms and dads. However, not everyone has a mom and a dad. 
um, in order to bounce ideas off of concerns and things like that. Um, family support, your kids, you'd be surprised how much kids can do for parents. You know, I say that as a father of four. Um, my kids support me more than they'd ever know, and that's just by having their presence. And, you know, for so long, I never saw my children. Um, and you wonder what they think. Uh, and that's not great for your mental health either, but you battle that. Um, and hopefully you, you know, you come out of it another, the other side and you've got more of a family unit. Um, and if you don't have a family unit or you lose your family units, then I can guarantee you that you'll have mental health issues. So, you know, the players union, also former clubs, teams you played for, you know, people have got contacts. Uh, so there is a big support mechanism there. I think that the key to it is, is a lot of players are so used to being, um, uh, you have to put on a front as a player, you have to back yourself and you have to sort of feel that you can, you can, um, storm yourself through many situations. And you, if you have a long enough career, you probably find that you've done that many times on the field of play. Um, but it's also important that you take advantage of support that's there. I think the key to it is it has to be genuine support. 